count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. Howdy, friends. How are we doing today? Oh, there's a lot of potential to be had and to be realized on a day-to-day basis. Infinite, unimaginable amounts of chaos and success, serendipity, are at your disposal every day. Just keeping it open and saying you really actually don't know what's going to happen today. What a great, intelligent approach to life that is. Because I think before any term of sensory input stimulus that comes from the external world comes into your mind in 2020, before it's negative, before the stimulus is negative, before the stimulus is positive, before it's happening to you or for you, realize, try to maybe become aware to say that you don't actually know (laughs) and that, uh, Things are happening through you, and that anything before it's bad or negative, positive or awesome, is interesting. It's something that happens that you can observe before it's happening to you or for you. Not everything's immediately landing on your skin like a mosquito. You can observe things. And so, someone was telling me the other day, they're like, welcome to the new normal. And I'm like, what are you talking about a new normal? I think a new normal is kind of a ridiculous thing to say. Because when was the normal not ever new? When were things not ever not changing? Things are always consistently changing. The thing is here is that you're seeing the change. What a silly thing to kind of think that you're aware of all that's changing at all moments in your life in the universe that you're interacting with. It's like one of the most cosmic things you can do is admit that you don't see. Over 70% of our vision is peripheral. Like what? What? That means 30% of our vision is direct on. 30%. Are you are you fucking serious? That's insane. And we have the second best eyesight out of any animal on this planet. Last that I read, I don't know. Don't quote me. I'm not an eyesight expert by any sense of the stretch of the imagination, but still. The new normal. I refuse to accept that because what that actually says is that there was a normal that was not ever changing that we were existing in, in the prior sense, and that's not true. We've always been existing in a constant change in state of chaos and order that's always moving and always evolving. It's just that the changes today are much more normal. And there's going to be scars, there's going to be conventions, there's going to be positives and negatives that come from this time. But there's something that is really empowering in knowing that change is something that we have been immersed in since before we even had consciousness as a being. Um, in the womb, you were evolving within a, a human that was changing, that was alive in an environment that was ever-changing, that's in a universe that is an ever-expanding. Holy shit. We are always changing. We're just little water balloons that happen to be living through each day on this amazing simulation of change that is happening at all moments. Something I want to get absolutely cosmic on just for one second is the fact that Elon Musk is looking to get... Neuralink to directly stream music into people's minds with a wire that is thinner than a strand of human hair. I I don't know how I feel about this, but since my dad is one of the biggest proponents of technology, one of the biggest, he worked in IT since I can remember, um, I have to think that ultimately this is a good thing for music and for listeners across the globe. Um, 
there are still 4 billion people on the earth that don't have internet. So it's just like, I want to get your guys' opinion on where do you think, with those two facts, the fact that there are people who are trying to get music to directly stream into our brains by putting hardware into our brains. And then the fact that over half the world still isn't connected to a streaming service that you and I use on a regular basis. Spotify just opened in 12 new countries this year. It's like, okay, they just opened in Russia. That's literally insane. They're, you're saying Spotify didn't have Russia before? Like what? Russia didn't have Spotify? What is this world? The numbers are growing and we're, in a, we're, are, we're seeing exponential change in all fronts of our lives. And so I have to think that we just should breathe more at the start of our days and just kind of, this is what I'm doing. I'm not saying you should do anything, but it's just like the change is getting bigger and the change is not slowing down. And we are just entering this phase of massive change and it's not going to stop anytime soon. It's just not stopping. The U.S. government just said that they found shit on the, on the world that was not made here. They found motors. They found transportation devices that were made off-world. What? I thought Subaru was awesome because they had off-road. Now we have off-world. This is getting cosmic. I just want to get in my cyber truck that I don't own yet and just drive to Montana and make music. <laughs> anyway, I hope you guys are enjoying enjoying your lives. I want to thank you so much for listening to the podcast once more. And thank you for, we are so close to hitting our 500 vinyl pre-order on the Cosmic Country record, Young Man's Country. Justice was added to, the second single was added to my favorite Spotify playlist, Indigo, which is a new shade of country, which is the best genre of country music. Spotify is creating genres. Um, again, an amazing age to be alive and creating music. So I just want to thank you guys for, for digging the music, staying cosmic and staying positive. It means the world to me. My next guest today is Mr. Adrian Casada from Black Pumas. Now, there is something that is absolutely so heroic and beautiful about a band that grinds and grinds and grinds and stays true to their art and creates music from a place that is honest. Why is that amazing? Why is that heroic? Because ultimately... What you're putting out into the world is vibrating from a place of truth, and the people who are going to pick up on those vibrations are people who love you for the right reasons. The Black Pumas have created a fan base, a community, and art that's from a place that is timeless, and it's based on musicianship, and it's based on things they love, and that's just sincerely so admirable. Millions and millions of streams, uh, 135,000 album equivalents sold um, with their first record. Uh, they've done all the late night shows, just a, a very successful band. And uh, just a true story of, of success. And, and they're still growing and they're still going. And it's, it's really dope. And the music is just fantastic. So I had Adrian on here. He was really kind. My friend Ed McGee, uh, VP over at Fender, hooked us up together. And uh, we just had this great connection talking about life, uh, how, how, what it's like to be a father during this time, and how to stay inspired during this time, and how to stay creative and how to stay fresh, creating from a place of, of truth and honesty. So with no further ado... Mr. Adrian Casada. Okay, beautiful. Man, I am, uh, I have to say, um, our friend Ed McGee. Uh, from Ed, yeah. Ed is, he's an absolute like hero of a person. Yeah. And he turned me on to you guys um, right when I when I had first met him. And I have to say, I think I'm one of your guys' biggest fans. I just absolutely love what you do to, to, oh, to awesome. a huge degree. Thank and, you. Appreciate that. Man, absolutely. I discovered you guys, in, I think, in a way that's like rather traditional, which I don't see people do anymore at scale, at least in my community. Like, I discovered you guys on late night shows. 
Uh-huh. Which like, I, I don't see people discovering people on late night shows anymore. And I know, so, I know. <laughs> have you like, um, I, I've, another thing too, which is really fascinating, um, the concept of like what's going on right now with, you see all like these shows, like, like everyone's like doing the iPhone performances. And it seems like you guys got right in on like the publicity thing right before like the bubble like literally burst with this whole quarantine thing. I wanted to kind of get your perspective on that. Yeah, you know, I'd have to give credit uh, to our management, to our manager, Ryan Madison and, and Ten Adams Management, his company. Um, Ryan was, I remember having a conversation with him the second week of March, I believe. We had, we had toured um, all of February. We were in, in Europe and we got back and it was a conversation for sure in February, but we, you know, at that that time, you know, we've had so many scares in the past, H1N1, Ebola, Whoa. and right. we just thought, all thought it was going to pass, you know, and um, it was something nobody was really taking too seriously. And I think the big turning point, you know, I remember in Austin at least, was when they can- when they announced canceling South by Southwest. First time in what, 42 years? Yes. Yeah, so which at the time seemed just absolutely insane and i remember all of us openly criticizing that and now it's like could you imagine if they had had it what a disaster that would have been oh my god no fucking war zone (laughs) so i remember um, our manager talking to ryan um, maybe the second week of march right around then and again this is when we even even then i still think everybody thought this would be like a two-week you remember like you know early march we were like oh yeah we're just gonna quarantine for two weeks everything will be back to normal and I remember him actually being the first person to tell me, I don't think we're going to play a show most of this year. And I mean, at that time, I was like, huh, interesting. Okay, I think it'll just be a month that we cancel. But, you know, and he, he was the first one to kind of embrace, like, rather than, you know, make excuses and complain, just figure out adapting to the new model. So I'd have to give all credit to, to Ryan and our management team. Yeah, they seem to be absolute, like, Babe Ruth monsters of managers they're absolutely killing it have you mentally come to the fact that you're not playing a show for the rest of the year like that's kind of a weird thing for me at least to like to mentally like kind of sit back in that chair and like let it happen yeah it's absolutely insane um trying to take everything like and not look too far off into the future because it gives me anxiety and kind of a lot of stress to think about so i'm just kind of taking things like one day at a time, one week at a time, to be totally honest, man. It's it's a insane thought to think that we're not going to play a full show this year. I, I think people are having hope that in some form there will be a way to do it, you know, this year. But I just, this thing is so unpredictable that I just couldn't even pretend to predict what's going to happen. I mean, in, no, of course. In, in April, we all thought it would be over by April. And here we are in July and there seems to be no end in sight. So I just have no idea. It's literally, it's the scariest thing. Like, June and July are always, like, the scariest months for me, too, because it's, like, that halfway through the year, I've, I've done this, I haven't done this yet, I've grown, I haven't grown, I've achieved this, etc. Thing about COVID, man, this is crazy. Like, five minutes before we got on our call today, um, Davidson County, Nashville, where I live, they're, they're shutting everything back down, back to phase one. And it's just, like, not, or no phase, whatever. We were in phase three prior, as of, as of yesterday. And it's yeah. like, man. It's a weird thing that I really, I hate taking steps backwards. That's the most stressful and scary thing in life. Mm-hmm, for sure. And so, are, what are you doing now? Are you inspired? Are you not inspired with music? Are you finding other avenues for self-realization? I, I actually am, like, creatively, I've been inspired. I hit points where, I, like, low points where I'm not, but um, compared to 
uh, a lot of people I know who I've, it's been weird. Like it's been a whole like time. The concept of time and the day is super totally weird. Changed, you know. And I, it's funny because a friend of mine said the other day, like, "Oh, it's we're uh, today's March 125th or something." You know, it's like, <laughs> I read something that was like your uh, hours. Uh, what is it? Uh, what was it like? Um, I don't know. Just the concept of time is so crazy. But I've actually felt uh, inspired. I mean, luckily I have a studio which you can see behind me in my in my home, connected to my home. So I have like a creative space here, and uh, just the concept of like the day and the weekend and time has changed. So I actually have been like fairly inspired to um, create and learn. I've been kind of taking this opportunity to. Uh, get better at like different instruments that I don't play a lot um, but also mm. just catch, a lot of it was catching up on family time because I was gone so much the last year so oh do you have kids yeah I have two kids here yeah oh my gosh it, was, it, it must be really terrifying with with kids right my, my my parents I live with my family and I have two sisters one's nine and uh, they wanted to send her back to school as of yesterday as of today we don't know moving forward but my parents were spooked man like yeah. the, the concept of sending your kids out into the world to, to even just go and see all that um, mm -hmm. that must be a really heavy a heavy thing oh it is man it absolutely it's a game changer you know if it, it's it's one thing uh, I mean obviously we take our own lives seriously but it, if you add kids to the equation then everything just kind of gets uh, you know gets steps up a notch for sure and is the culture is the culture in in Austin? Because like the the thing about Texas is like, so uh, I toured with Paul Cawthon for a number of years. He's a good friend of mine. Oh, okay, and cool. Super like super Dallas centric artist. Uh, not yeah. really, but um, I noticed that the culture of Austin is kind of like its own bubble. Like in regards to the rest of Texas, I, I kind of guess like Texas has multiple cultures in that way. But it's like Austin especially. So like, okay. is the scene in Austin doing like? Is there any? public anything going on whatsoever like any outdoor shows anything like that um there's funny enough there's a uh, been a lot of controversy this week because uh vanilla ice you know i don't know if you remember <laughs> of course is performing on uh july 3rd i just saw an article about it yesterday uh at this place that fits like three thousand people and people were just up you know obviously like rightfully so just enraged about it it's like what are you thinking like who i mean it's not really of course he's to blame as well but like the the promoters and it's just a horrible idea can you know um at this time so yeah horrible. there are a lot of people creatively like figuring out you know live streaming and there ha they have been actually embracing some um really cool ideas uh there's an artist named nikki lane who used to live in nashville and uh she's been doing these um at this venue called Sam's Town Point. It's like one of the last true, really cool, kind of honky-tonkish, old-school Austin bars. Um, they've been, and it has this huge property, and they've been doing these, like, drive-in concerts. Oh, so that's dope. Like, 100 cars or something like that, and you sit in your car and dial in through the radio. And, you know, it's not an ideal concert experience by any means, but, I mean, I just feel like it's better than nothing. Like, it's just a, the communal experience of going to see a concert, you know, so... People are trying to adapt, I think, but I don't know that anyone's really settled on like the right, perfect way to do it. It's tough, man. It's tough. This band Goose, this amazing jam band, they just did a great concept called the Bingo Tour, where all these, uh, everyone who bought a ticket got a bingo card, and then it was like they would draw songs, and then whoever got you know, the bingo card with the five songs that the band played that night. They won all these cool prizes and shit like that. It's, like, really fascinating. It's kind of like that T.S. Eliot quote where it's, like, necessity is the mother of invention. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. In some way, right? But it's like I, I'm realizing now, man. I feel like in some ways, like I'm 12 years old again. Like when I first just started like getting into music, and so that's something I've been wanting to kind of vibe with on people that, especially, are heroes to me. Where it's like, are you feeling like a rekindling of like? Because I feel like when we're younger, we can go into that play mode of like serotonin flow much easier, as mm-hmm. opposed to like when we get adults and we have to like worry about selling houses and we have to like worry about like fixing molding in the bathroom like i have to do it's like things like that like terrifying life things um are you experiencing any energy like that like a resurgence of 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 like a rekindled love of some sort of of maybe something like that yeah you know um i mean around the house like we've had time to you know slow down and like get better you know cook you know obviously you know again because we have to uh cooking's huge you know, so like that's something yeah. that we used to uh, kind of take for granted, and now it's like, well, we have time and we can't go out and eat somewhere. So things, little, just little things like that. You know, fixing up our house. I mean, I uh, have actually, uh, like I said, been, been practicing a lot of drums, like trying to learn a little French. I don't know, just just little things to like keep me <laughs> keep me occupied. Are you on the Rosetta Stone or are you going on YouTube? For we, French? we do Rosetta Stone, yeah. The Rosetta Stone, you can't fuck around with that. That's a I real know, thing. Yeah. That's it's heavy. Shit, yeah. <laughs> France is we. Have you guys played France? Yeah, yeah. We were we were there a lot of uh, February. I mean, we've been to the, over the last year. I think we might have gone four four times. <gasps> you guys went to Europe four times in a year. Yeah, yeah. And do you find Europe skews larger than America in terms of fan base? Um, it's the the we have a, a huge fan base out there for sure. It's 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 different. It's. It is different. Uh, I mean, it's a different culture, and and honestly, the thing with Europe is that like one day to the next is a different culture. You know, in the U.S., yeah. you experience a little bit of that between maybe the South and the Northeast and the West Coast, but you can be on tour and like five, six, seven, eight nights in a row, yeah, can feel the same audience-wise. And in Absolutely. Europe, like one day to the next, the the crowds act like completely. I mean, they might as well be aliens the next day. It's like they're just. You know, the French people versus the Belgians versus the German. I mean, they just all react differently. And then in Germany itself, one city to Berlin to wherever is like completely different. So uh, the European audience is, is France has been incredible for us for sure. But I, I think it's just it's just a whole it's hard to even compare it to the U.S. I find that the, the Europeans are there's there's an unapologetic in a way that's different than America, where in America, I find like an extroversion of, a, of, of a unapologeticism, where it's like, in Europe, they simply just don't entertain the idea of being anyone but themselves. And they're, they're not like trying to, to like flag that. I remember we played Europe, we did like um, 20 shows or something in Europe in uh, October. And um, I went and asked for a Bud Light. I didn't know they didn't have Bud Light over there. And there was this thing where, cause I'm 25 years old and I'm, I'm a dumbass sometimes. <laughs> and um, <laughs> they're like, we don't do that. Like the hundred percent, like we do not do that here. Like don't mm-hmm. even, don't even ask. Yeah. And I realized, man, it's like you don't you never have to apologize for being yourself. And that's something that the Europeans so graciously do. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a good point for sure. Where in Berlin did you guys play? That that to me, like Berlin was a mesmerizing experience. I'm horrible. I can pull up our master tour. <laughs> I'm horrible oh, remembering those things, man. The old master tour, man. Yeah. Master tour. I get PTSD yeah. when I look through that app right now. <laughs> it's funny. I <laughs> Those past dates, I, I never remember names of venues. I mean, like very few. Uh, Berlin and in, in, in February we played the Metropole. 
Oh, whoa, great venue. It's a great, great venue. We were there um, in like November. I don't know, I think that was the last time we played there, yeah. Do you wonder why, do you ever think about why you don't remember details like that? I do, and it's funny, I was just talking to somebody, um, Oh, I don't know if I can tell you why I don't remember places, but I, I, there is things that I do remember. And <laughs> I remember talking to uh, somebody just like a week ago about this because the things that stand out to me um, venue-wise on tour are not like always... Um, I remember the audience and what their reaction was, but the, li the little things that re make me really re truly remember a venue is sometimes like the hospitality. Oh. And yeah. You know, like if you get a good dinner, oh man, if they go the extra step to to um bake you cupcakes or or like which more they do more in the US, but those little like tiny extra atten that little attention to detail is the stuff that I actually remember. That's so really if it's funny. just like a, if it's just a venue that looks a little bit like the one the day before, similar size, crowd you know, it's got to like really, really stand out to me for me to remember it because we've just we've just played so many venues. My God! And the thing, Europe, Europe, uh, European green rooms, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different of a vibe. You get yeah. like the the cold meats, mm -hmm. and then you get like the absurd amounts of grains to mm -hmm. put the meats yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's quite a different thing. It is, yeah. Uh, man, in, in the U.S., I'm sure you've had a tenure of. Uh, of terrible green rooms in your touring oh, experiences sure. uh -huh. just like the not even you you know you guys literally just took out the swiffer swiper in the lysol 20, 10 minutes before we got oh, yeah. here right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. does that perspective ever is that something that like you you like practice to keep with you as you guys are like 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 you guys like literally it was a, it was an insane statistic like ed sent me this Ed sent me this thing from you guys, and it was like, I couldn't even believe it, like, to actually see, like, quantified success, but it was like, like, literally, like, 120,000 album equivalent sales and, like, 55 million total streams, like, surely, like, that's, like, a goal of yours as you're a kid, like, growing up, and so it's, like, as you, like, pervade, you have, like, pervasive existence through all the bullshit, now you're, like, arriving at, like, a really nice place. Is that a perspective you can keep with you? Yeah, it is. You know, I, I honestly, it's interesting because I you, you have all those dreams and 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 uh, goals and I, and but as we like we were touring so much last year that it was really hard to stop and take it all in. It really took every the rug being pulled out from under us to like look uh. around and absolutely appreciate it. And but you know, try to try to not get caught too caught up in that and and also um, just create you know eric was it was here last night from pumas and we were um we had to tape a little something and we were just kind of catching up for a while over a couple of beers and and we're still both like really wanting to just keep our heads down and create something create something better than the last one however i don't like to take things like like this what's happening to us for granted so i i um i definitely try to keep goals and and my you know markers out there that i'm that i'm aiming for and uh you know a big uh nowadays like sales you know and, and quantifiable things like that are so muddy because of streams and youtube and how so it's really hard to like it's not this old school model of um and i think the industry is trying to adapt but i'm not sure they've completely figured it out but this old school model of just like you know this many people bought this album or whatever it's so confusing because i know our YouTube numbers are crazy 
which would have, you know, 15 years ago meant that that many people were buying. So I have no idea. I would like a, I would like a gold record. I think that would be awesome. That's That'd be insane. Like, yeah. Whoa. So do you, is that something like, that you put out into the world of something that you want to do? The, are, are you a person who like, are you writing down goals or are you just kind of existing in like a nebula of inspiration and not really? Just existing in a nebula. I don't really, I have friends that, that do that, like write goals and I've considered that, but now I'm, I'm, that's not my thing. That's kind of cool to know that's not your thing. That's nice. Yeah. Well, that's inspiring. I love that. Yeah, I have a friend that has like a 15-year plan and a five-year plan, and that doesn't work right now though because of COVID. Like, you can't do that. Like, it, that's and it's the cool. thing. It's cool. Like, it's not. It's just not. That's not my style. Whoa, man. Do you think that that? Because like when you say that, like it seems to like that makes sense of like some of your production cues. Like it means like there is like a an insane amount of like very a thoughtful abandon that's like in your music that's in your music and your performances separately. Like like especially like the studio efforts as opposed to like the live uh, performances. Like quite different energies. Um, that abandonness, that kind of a thing. Is that something that you think you're consciously manifesting, or is that something? Um, I, I, like to think, I like to think that that's, that means you, you really hit the zone, you know, you're not like overthinking it. I have a tendency to overthink things. How so? Um, on the, on the production end, I have a tendency to, to kind of be in my head about a lot of things. But when I hit like that breakthrough is like a, the ultimate moment that you're going for is, um, to break through and get out of that. You know, it takes me a while to really get out of that, but when I do, I'm completely in the zone and I'm not thinking about anything else. It doesn't always happen that way. And then as far as the live aspect of that, um, I'd have to give all the credit in the world to Eric, or, you know, um, because I'm I'm like a, a like kind of music director by nature, producer by nature on stage, but I'm like in my head about little things well, he has the courage to just go and throw it all out there and you have no choice but to ride with him or you're going to look like an idiot, you know, so in terms <laughs> of letting go and hitting that zone like live, I just I'd have to give all literally all the credit to him and all I all I can do is hang on for for the ride, you know, that's beautiful. Oh, my gosh, man. You see, you see so many people who don't have an ego who have an ego. Um, I mean, we all have an ego, but who are attached to their ego enough to where they can't quite admit the fact that they have an amazing team of people around them. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you're so readily doing that is, that's so beautiful and admirable. Is that, is that part, have you always been a team player in that way? Or is that oh, something God, that... Yeah. I oh. love, I love teamwork. I'm a big... Um, Do you play sports fan. or anything growing up? Or Yeah, yeah, I love basketball. I grew up playing basketball, so I, I'm a huge, huge, huge team guy. And I, you... and I have that talk a lot, so I like... I really love the dynamic of people coming together, you know, that uh, where the sum is greater than the whole of its parts. I just, I'm all about that, man. I love that. Whoa, because you guys have like the Scottie Pippen, Michael Jordan thing. Yeah, we do, for sure. <laughs> Did you watch The Last Dance? Did you dig it? Of course, yeah. I watched it. I watched it. I loved it, yeah. It was massively insane. It was really humbling for someone like me. I never realized how much of like not a human. Michael Jordan was. Were you, I, you obviously, like, you saw that all happen in real time. Were you affected by that part of culture? Um, <laughs> you mean his, his uh, career or watching Last Dance? Yeah, the career as it was happening before it became a documentary. I, I did. I was, I was a lot younger, but I definitely watched a lot of basketball. I was a lot younger, so I, I didn't really understand um, mentally 
some of what was happening mentally, like what kind of like that that um, drive and, and focus that he had mentally and the way things like that. I mean, I just liked basketball. It's not something I don't think I really understood until until much later. But watching that definitely reinforced like just what a absolute freak of nature he was and not physically, mentally. but mentally, you know, and it was a uh, I, I would say that if <clears throat> if I were to tell you my style of teamwork it's not exactly his style you know nor scotty pippen style nor that bull style but it was incredible to see um to see it happen and it was inspiring absolutely inspiring in any field in life you know any field in life that's the thing is like greatness radiates and it touches everyone yeah that focus though man do you think that that focus is something that is more like a man can curate that or do you think it's perhaps assisted from a from a from a source elsewhere i think it's both to be totally honest i mean right. I, I know like for myself the drive i have is is partly um you know i have that same kind of like chip on my shoulder that did you watch the last dance oh yeah Love okay it. that same kind of chip on my shoulder that he does you know he would focus on like and make up an imaginary foe that you would be like, oh, that guy did this. I'm going to show him, like, next time. And I, I have a, I operate with a little bit of a healthy chip on my shoulder and always have and just use it for drive. Late, as I got older, I try to, like, operate from a, less of that kind of, like, nasty competitiveness and more like a, you know, positive. Like, let's just let, let me not think like that. But the other thing I think is that I was raised, my dad was a, kind of worked all his life. He had to. Um, started working when he was like 13 or 14 and had to help wow. support his mom and stuff. So he instilled like a really intense work ethic in me. So I think it was a little bit of nature versus nurture, you know, where I, I think I was raised like that to, I just don't know how to not work because that's just how my dad like always pushed me, you know? Same here, man. My dad's from New Jersey and, you know, his uh, his father owned a wrecking service. So that we just grew up in this very weird world of antiques and um, in the middle of a metro area, just like this Donato world. And they were all workers, you know, 12 hours a day, calloused hands that like look like elephant limbs. And it's just like that, that worker's mentality. Was yeah. your dad doing manual labor? Or was he? He actually had a, tr he, he had a trucking company. So he was a, he was a truck driver. That's an insane occupation. Yeah, when I was born, and then he eventually started his own trucking company. So I grew up around trucks and, and, and working at a trucking company most of my life until I moved to Austin. Do you prefer loves or pilot? <laughs> and, uh, they, or, I feel like they even vary around the world, uh, I mean, around the country. but um, Or Bucky's. That's honestly would be the best answer. Bucky's <laughs> are kind of fun. Bucky's are kind of fun for sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I have a preference to tell you the truth. I mean, I've actually thought about a coffee table book of, of like not not loves and pilots, but of a uh, right of like the more unique. Like, there's some weird, weird, weird little trucks, like weird little gas station stops around the country that we've been to. Like, uh, just like one-offs. Yeah, like little random ones. I've always thought it'd be a cool coffee table book that somebody would appreciate. Just I've seen like some insanely odd rest stops you know that are like just the most bizarro thing and just like a coffee table book of photography with little stories about people but 
Oh, that'd be beautiful. I would love that, my man. That's the thing I miss the most about this time is like that stop, like that one hour stop. You guys are obviously doing bus stuff, but it's like where we're at with our touring, it's like we have to stop like every couple hours and just stretch our limbs. And it's like, my God, I miss that. I miss that break. Is that something that like now that you guys are obviously like you're generating enough um, success to where you don't have to do that. Do you, do you ever miss parts of that, of that career of like that, like the, the travel grind of having to drive the van and, and no, you and know, we weren't, we weren't, uh, it wasn't too long ago that we were in a van. We've only been in a bus since fall, since fall 2019. But, um, I, parts of it, I miss a lot of it. I don't, but I do, <laughs> sometimes, but I mean, I, I toured for, uh 15 years in vans you know oh like, i didn't I, know that i didn't yeah, know i've been a... in other bands so I've, I've done 15 years of van touring oh my god and so was each band did you did you ever obviously you did you assume that each band would eventually rise to the success you're at now um I, you know like i i really just enjoyed doing it so i, I you always want that to happen yeah. but i never wanted to feel like if we didn't it would be a disappointment you know so like mm-hmm. I, you know at the at the end of the day part of it has to just be like really enjoying playing music with friends you know so whoa so enjoying enjoying the hustle of what you're doing and like not getting caught up on that the external results yeah like part of it is just it really enjoying that as a career i mean obviously things get a little more real when you have kids and and all that so i have to like really if i'm going to be gone for months I can't be leaving my kids behind just to go have fun with my friends. Like, you know, at some point it has to become a career or, or somewhat, uh, uh, you know, generating some sort of financial result or end. But so I had to kind of start backing away from certain kinds of touring that I used to do, but, uh, right. Right. But, you know, ultimately like, it's just the funnest job in the world, man, to go out. You get to be you and people like literally love what you do and you're contributing yeah. positivity. And I've never, uh, I'm always the first one to be totally honest, to take it for granted. I'm like the first one on tour who's like wanting to be, come back come home and be in the studio and be with my family. But I think that now with everything we're experiencing with the pandemic, like I'll never take that for granted again. Just like what a cool opportunity in life to do that, you know, to have people that come to pay to see you play. It's incredible. It's very strange. I feel like we need it too. I'm seeing people saying, you know, live tourings, it's going to be like five years till it comes back. But I don't know about that. I think we really do, we crave that that human thing. It's like the most analog thing that we can do in, in regards to a group of people. Tell yeah. stories and make music. No way that's going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Do you think... Um, I was talking to a friend yesterday who's um, who had a, a very crazy uh, life, even when he had his children, like when his kids were first growing up, and he was an alcoholic, and but he fixed it. He almost died, and um, ended up getting out of it. And straight up, is a beautiful, uh, astounding person. And he was talking about how realize you know having kids makes you shed the things that you don't need, and you start spending your time a little bit differently, and you look at life in a different way. Mm-hmm. And so you were talking about. You know, eventually, when you have kids, you need to you need to generate a certain uh, outcome financially. You also need to look at your time differently. And so, I'm curious to see how did that manifest for you. It's fascinating because you tour for all these years, you don't have kids. Now, all of a sudden, things are there's someone in your life that's like literally a hundred times more important than you to do yourself. And so, it's like, how does that manifest in your actions? How are you looking at things differently? 
Oh, I, uh, like, I mean, you kind of hit it on the head with prioritizing your time. I just, I, uh, wow. I feel like I, I, I could, uh, I used to be able to kind of waste days a lot more, you know, like, like uh, on the road, like, what, or like, in general in life, you know, like not, not okay. feeling like I'd accomplished something that day. And, and like my time just, I just prioritize the hell out of my time now. And, Really? I'm totally honest. Yeah. Every once in a while, it's good to it's good for me and it's good for the soul to to especially I only get to do that do this on tour, but to um, not accomplish something one day and just kind of take it easy, you know, and just really be in the moment. But uh, I mean, just time gets much more precious with with little ones. So whoa, whoa, whoa! That's beautiful. That's absolutely the thing. Do you ever bring your family on the road? They've come out for like a couple of days here and there, but you know it's not the the ideal family getaway, you know, with its schedule <laughs> and, and travel. So um, they've come and joined me when like I know I'm going to be in a city for a few days and we can act, and I have a few days off or something. They've come out and in the last year a couple of times, kind of hung out with me. But it's you know it's I've never like brought them on the bus or anything like that. Do you have anything that you like you do schedule wise on the road to like? to like make sure that you're still executing things. Like I have friends who, you know, they, they tour and they don't wake up until, you know, four hours before soundcheck. And like, that's actually like, they like justify that as like a, a, a thing to do. Cause it like, it makes sense. Like, you know, you're getting your fulfillment by playing a show, but it's like, I'm wondering, are you like producing on the road? Or are you like trying to come up with ideas? I try and it never quite works out like I thought. I'm a, I consider myself a pretty productive person it's really hard. I always bring a laptop and a mic and an interface. And Me I'm too. like, this is the tour where yeah. I'm going to get all this stuff done. But yeah. like, you're just lucky if you can get some proper rest, you know? So I do, <laughs> I do like to uh, wake up and, and at least get a cup of coffee and kind of poke around the town, just walk around and stretch my legs a little bit. But That's I'm never best. as productive as I, as I want to be, you know? And I think I, I, I used to feel guilty again for that. But at this point, like, it's a lot of work in general, so I, I don't feel. I have. I actually have a friend who plays in a major, you know, theater like large theater touring bus, um, tour bus like touring act. Is it uh, like actually theater like Broadway? No, no. Like he's. I'm just trying to paint the the size of the room. It's like an oh. a very established. I'm not gonna like call him out, but uh, an established. Rock would, would he hate? Would he hate if you call? Would he? Would he uh, hate it if you called him out? Probably not, but he, um, but they're like, you know, tour bus, crew, the full thing. And he, before he took that gig, he had some sort of like computer programming job. He's held on to his job and they tour like 200 some days a year. He still has that job. I just saw him recently and he held on to that job and he does it on the road, which is insane to do like some sort of computer job on the road. You know? How the fuck do you do that? How do you go but from. I have freaking no idea man it's absolutely crazy and it's it's just incredible like like i said just when i think like i'm productive i'm like damn that's next level man if i can finish a show on netflix i'm like that's like a productive <sighs> day for me so oh, have you seen that epstein documentary no it's on the list for sure Dude, but i'm not sure fucking terrifying yeah man. that's insane have you, what have you been seeing on netflix that's worth watching um what have i seen uh i still haven't watched tiger king but that's all right we, um, we watched uh um watched this documentary the other night called uh LA Originals it's about this this um Mexican American uh tattoo artist kind of hip hop guy who's like big in the hip hop scene and then we watched what did we just watch I watched I uh, started a uh, I guess not on Netflix but I started The Watchmen have you seen The Watchmen all day yeah 
the HBO show. I've started that. Um, we're, we're many episodes into that. So I'm trying to remember what else, but a lot of movies. Whoa. So in being productive in quarantine, what does that mean for you? Because obviously that's going to be a different standard during this time, I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. Um, I have been playing drums about an hour a day. and rec- I have a studio, so I record myself, okay. which, is, um, which allows me to kind of try new mic configurations and in my setups and I get to hear myself try to improve on the drums so I've been doing like online drum lessons wow. uh, with a friend and then also just a bunch of YouTube stuff and I also started ma- uh, working on a lot of hip hop music by myself here because just because I can't really bring people too many people into the studio I just it's what I can do alone here you know so a little bit of just a bunch of little things to just kind of get the juices flowing and try new things in the studio Whoa, okay, uh, so working on like like programming music. Yeah, yeah, like hip-hop beats and stuff like that. Well, so do you use Machina? Ableton? No, no, I, I'm still kind of old school. I used to use like back in the day an MPC 2000, that like big hardware drum sample. Yeah, man. I, I record in Logic and uh, so a lot of what I do is actually um, loop drum beats and then like replay them myself. And then Logic has its own ultra beat kind of drums sample. Yeah, that new update's I, insane. I play everything else live and just kind of loop myself. Well, that's wild. And are, are like, are you writing to like potentially play these these tunes live, or are they come? Are they just coming from a different place? They're they're mostly coming from a different place, but every once in a while, something is actually really inspiring. It'll take I'll take a left turn and make it try to make it something that I send to Eric as as inspiration for Puma's music. Is it a thing to you, like when you guys start having like legitimate business around what you do, do, do certain pieces of art qualify and certain pieces don't? But I'm assuming like before, it was kind of throwing paint at the wall in some way, right? We were. Um, we try not to get let business dictate too much of what we think is something us about us expressing ourselves, but I've actually gotten better at appreciating hearing other people's feedback you know, I don't always listen to it and I don't always care, but I do sometimes appreciate, there is days where I get stuck um, and I'm like, I just, I can't tell if any more of this is good at all or this completely sucks. Isn't that so weird? We just finished mixing a record like three weeks ago and it got to the point to where I, I, I've never experienced this before, but I legitimately hated everything. Oh, wow, yeah. And it's yeah. like, I don't, have you ever arrived at that where it's like, oh, I would never have like approved of this take if I hated it. So why am I hating it now? Like why? All the time, man. I, all the time. It's like right before turning it in, I hate it, you know. And then oh. I, have to, <laughs> not, 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 I have to stop and listen, not listen for a while, then come back to it, listen, and then I'm like, okay, that was actually not bad. I just, it just this like space and distance from something like that is good. But I, man, it happens every single time. I think it's. Wow. garbage and then like at this point I'm like whatever it's up to somebody else to know if they like it you know well again man it's about having those people in your life around you that yeah, do yeah. that thing whoa that's insane that's absolutely beautiful Thanks. so it's, it sounds like you're in this period right now where it's just like you're still working hard but oh, yeah. you're you're also just reassessing different values in life that maybe touring didn't really allow you to have prior oh yeah absolutely man it, I mean I think this is you know, it's not unique to me or musicians or anything. I think this is making us all kind of reevaluate what our priorities are in life. You know, um, I had a, I worked on a lot of things the last few days, and it's funny because last night all I could think of was like, man, I need to uh, take a couple of days here where I'm going to slow down and 
just go swimming and go for a bike ride in the middle of the day if I feel like it. You know, I, I don't need to be beating myself up. Like, again, it's, again, part like how I was raised that I just was always made to feel like I had to be working. And uh, I think this is all making me kind of reconsider my priorities and be like, you know what, if it'd be good for my brain and my soul today if I just left the studio and went on a bike ride, went swimming and cooked some food, you know? Oh, whoa, man. I'm just realizing now where it's like, so much of what we identify with like in our identities like start at like a young young age where it's almost that thing too with music it's like everyone's most influential albums like largely are from like those first couple of years mm -hmm. and it's like that's very real like my parents are ridiculously hard-working parents my dad just yesterday had a 14-hour work day and it's like yeah. man like that's real you know but it's like maybe the fact that we're identifying with it do you think overworking can lead to a lack of inspiration within music like things can sound muscled oh absolutely man um that happens to me all the time here in the studio like even just uh wow 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 um let, you know it, it just yeah absolutely i think it's uh, i think separation from something like that is healthy it happens to me every i mean almost every day every day so you, it, it's almost a feeling of like you're trying to force something to come yeah it's like at some point it's just like i'm done you know we're not gonna at this point it's diminishing returns it's just not gonna get any better so i'll stop you know? God, that's the thing about music, though, is like you don't leave it at the office. Mm hmm For sure. So it's almost like the unfair part of it all. And you also have your studio in your house. Are, are you guys, do you guys cut actual uh, assets for the record at that location, or did you go elsewhere? Yeah, we did the full record, the first record here. And as of now, as of, we're working on a second one slowly. Eric's been writing a bunch. I have, I have a little bit of kind of some instrumentals that I've been uh, sh sharing with him for inspiration. And Whoa, come on. Uh, I mean, Eric's always writing songs, but we haven't really been able to completely flesh anything out in the studio just because of quarantine. It's been hard. My studio is is on the smaller side, and and I, I and and things are getting a little hairy in Texas again with the virus. So I'm trying Eventually. to, just, you know, take this seriously and not. So we haven't really been able to knock out things, but I think over the next few months we're gonna f finalize writing what we have and and figure out a way to start piecing it together but you know in a, in a way like you said necessity is the mother of invention and i yep. and i was just telling eric like yes if we don't do it the traditional way where we have the band come in and all that like that's fine well, maybe this is going to force us to do something cr cooler you know maybe we have to do it one person at a time or maybe i have to do programming and like i, I feel like in a way it almost might be a blessing that we have to do it this way Whoa, come on. You yeah. see that too with the bands that are, especially in that genre, that are centered around two artists, mm -hmm. um, like Black Keys and White Stripes mainly. Like the records where it was just those two sources were like the most pungent pieces of art. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, do you ever do you ever collaborate with uh, with uh, the guys over at Modern Electric, like Bo Bedford down in Dallas? Yeah, yeah, I know Bo, yeah. Those I guys are insane. Did. Yeah, they're awesome. I just mixed, uh, we had some Pumas session that we did for Fender actually. Um, and we were on tour. We did a couple of shows in Dallas, and I went and mixed there. But yeah, I've, I love I love those guys. And Bo sat in with Pumas before. Oh, what? That's dope. Yeah, yeah. I That's the most Texas thing ever. Everyone knows each other, man. Oh yeah, it? yeah. Oh for sure. We <laughs> <see each> <laughs> well, dope, man. Uh, I, I want to. I thanks for doing this, and hey, man, um, thank you. Yeah, come on. Thanks for coming on. I'm just a, I'm a massive fan. One one final thing I just wanted to ask, which is like um. Something I'm experiencing now where it's like, when do you, when do you like say we have the music, we have the songs ready for the next record? Not ready to be mastered, but ready to, to start working on it. 
Like, do you guys start with 30, 40 songs? Or do you dwindle it down from there? Like, what's your process there? We usually have, usually the way it works is I, I write these instrumentals and send them to Eric and he picks, you know, whatever inspires him from there. But the primary, well, I mean, it does, nothing becomes a song until it gets to Eric, you know, like I'm always, like I said, a lot of my things come from little hip hop beats, but he's writing songs on keys, guitar, whatever, and, and constantly sending them to me as well. So typically it's like he brings a song that's written and I just kind of help arrange and produce it. Or I send him like an instrumental for inspiration and he'll write a song hmm. out of that, you know? Uh, so it kind of all like goes to whatever the, the, I think it becomes a song. I was just telling Eric yesterday, like, um, I'm always kind of just creating and sending little things, but it, nothing becomes a song until he's feeling it because he's ultimately, you know, writing the lyrics and the melody and, and the song and, and, uh, and if he's not inspired, then then it's not going to become a song. So uh, that's the process. So we end up with like a handful of, of things that I started as instrumentals and a bunch of songs that he wrote that I help him arrange. Wow. And we usually end up with with an extra. I mean, well, we've only made one record, but uh, we we've usually uh, on the last record we may have ended up with about seven extra songs. We might have recorded seventeen or something like that. We put out ten. Seventeen, damn, that's, that's like that. Yeah, we're about to release a few more a few more of those B sides. Do you cut them fast? Is it a thing where you're like, one song a day? Uh, we work fairly quickly, man. We work fairly quickly. The, the, I think the, t- the thing that uh, takes the longest is Eric finalizing lyrics and things like that. He, he really likes to kind of take his time to get that, that portion of it right. But once, once he writes the song, it's, I mean, we could knock out one a day for sure. Wow, it's beautiful. Okay, so no plans to cut anything soon, but people will be. We'll, we'll be on the lookout. Yeah, that's very good. soon. Very soon, but it won't probably won't be out for a while. All right, man. Hey, well, thanks for taking the time. I know you're a busy guy. You got a lot of stuff going on, so it means a lot. Thanks, bud. Yeah, man. Good talking. I just love it. I really do. I really just love the whole idea of staying positive and staying aware of the idea that you can overwork yourself and that. Just because you identify with the idea of having a strong work ethic doesn't mean that you're always working to the most optimal and efficient level possible. I think that's very much a Western idea that we're finding ourselves stuck in today. And maybe the whole concept of what is uh, emerging from uh, the corona pandemic is the fact that we will have a generation that inhabits that work a little bit smarter, not harder. I know it sounds cliche, but it's real. Okay, y'all. So the music that we are listening to today is we're listening to Tennessee Jed. It's a 2001 remaster of the Europe 72 version. Gotta have it. Then we listen to Colors by Black Pumas, my favorite song off their catalog. And right now we're listening to 1949 cut of uh, Lester Flat Earl Scruggs, uh, Down the Road. I discovered this song the other day when I was jamming at uh, Jake's house. Jake Bostic plays bass in the Cosmo Country Band. Um, he plugged in his music band. Stingray and I was playing on his Taylor 212 CE and then his roommate Sean was playing on like some D28 remake and he he busted out this song and it was just like fucking love bluegrass bluegrass is just so it's so fun so I don't know but hey I appreciate y'all y'all stay positive uh thank you for listening to the podcast uh stay cosmic stay aware stay awake don't work too hard (laughs) also go pre-order this new record dropping out on August 7th we still have 
We still have 150 vinyl that we're trying to hit for this goal. Uh, we got a new uh, animation video out on YouTube for their single Justice. Add Justice to your uh, subscribe to me on Spotify. Add it to your personal playlist. That helps us get more successful um, in landing on bigger playlists and, and, and doing that whole thing. And uh, subscribe on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, the whole shebang. We don't have sponsors yet. This is fun. We're all just doing this together. Not down the road, just a mile or two. There's a little girl named Pearly Blue. About so high.